But we bet you'll like them. I'm back in the saddle again. Checking in from the right side of Acadiana, seeking truth. I want the truth! Yes! Justice. Somebody ought to belt you in the mouth. Yes! And a whole lot of freedom to have fun. Winning, winning, winning. Yes! Oh, behave. This is the Rush Report. My name is Jamie Michelle. I am a lesbian woman and the founder and president of Gays Against Groomers. We are a nonprofit of gay people who seek to end the sexualization, indoctrination, sterilization, and mutilation of children happening under the guise of LGBTQIA plus 2Z ABC. I don't know. <laughs> that was that was the intro. Jamie Michelle speaking at a Moms for Liberty conference. So we wanted to check in with her, one of her confreres who's been on the show before uh sarah higdon sarah welcome back to the ross report hey thanks for having me back it's always good to be here oh you bet now listen i want to bring some folks may not know your background whatever let's give them a cliff's note bio of sarah higdon okay yeah so i am a transsexual woman i um grew up a male i served in the army for seven and a half years um currently i'm in you know, I'm an outspoken activist against the, what Jamie just said. I was in Gays Against Groomers um, at, towards the very beginning. Um, still have very many contacts in the organization. In fact, was working with some of them last week here in Georgia on a bill. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, yeah, and so I also am a writer for the post-millennial uh, and human events as well. Um, and then the digital marketing manager for the Free the People organization. I love it. What's, what does Free the People do? So we're, uh, yeah, we're more of a libertarian organization. We do a lot of documentaries. Um, our president, Matt Kibbe, has a show on The Blaze called Kibbe oh, yeah. on Liberty. Matt Kibbe. Um, ho- Haven't seen yeah. him in a while. He used to be all over the place for a while. Yes, yeah, he's our president. Um, he's still doing his show, and we, we produce his show. We produce documentaries um, and a lot of just, you know, different um mm-hmm. Like we do, we have some comedy shows that are talking about, you know, kind of making fun of some of the politics stuff. Like we just did a show um, with Lou Perez. Like we have, we have a show called Comedy is Murder, and it's with Lou Perez. And um, the last episode was kind of making fun of the whole Latin X thing. So um, <laughs> we got, we got some pretty good stuff there. So yeah, definitely go check it out. Just for the people, okay, um, uh, on you, social media. <laughs> now, you, now you went two Cliff's notes on you because what people need to know about you is. You not only served as a logistics officer for seven and a half years, you were in the 101st and 82nd Divisions. You were awarded a Bronze Star after deployment to Afghanistan in 2013. Then you got out and you've been, you were working for a major medical company. And it wasn't until 2019 that you began to feel like, you know, the gender dysphoria was closing in and you were medically, you began medically transitioning then. And so you, you understand the, I mean, you understand the the uh, the odyssey that some folks go through as, as they transition. But what what you all are talking about is something totally different. It is a really militant trans agenda, is it not? Oh, absolutely. I mean, we're seeing so much right now. I mean, look what happened in Oklahoma this week. If you, if you've been following any of the stuff that's going on in Oklahoma, um, there was somebody that um, the person's name was Next. They they passed away and we still don't even know the cause of death but the active they, they, they 
identified as non-binary, and the the activist seized on that to then say Libs of TikTok was responsible for this death, even though we don't even know if it was the if it was caused by the a fight that they were in. And actually, it's starting to seem more and more every day that the activist is narrative, but they have seized onto that type of stuff to start to blame political rhetoric, blame the fact that we don't want to sterilize children on the fact that, you know, this poor child um, was harmed at school. Oh, my. Uh, You know, they're just not telling the truth about this stuff. Uh, In fact, our treasurer was speaking, and one of the questions that came up uh, during his speech today at noon was about uh, the Blue Cross Blue Shield and uh, Elevant's health which when they went back to Anthem and others, they were they were funding uh, transition surgeries uh, through, and especially one of the biggest providers of transitioning surgery to kids, to children. I mean, the, it was, yep. they weren't 18 years old. They were kids. And they, were, they have been doing this a long time. Uh, Kaiser Permanent is one of the worst. Yep. Uh, they were making yep. a fortune. This, the trans uh, surgery is making a fortune for these people. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's why um, I have multiple friends that are in the detransition community. Um, one is Chloe Cole, who is suing Kaiser Permanente because of the care that they they basically pushed to this on her um, and not really, you know, treated her, you know, as she was, you know, her other comorbidities that, you know, were probably the, you know, potentially the the cause of her gender dysphoria as a 13-year-old when they started to actually put her on, you know, testosterone. Um, and we've seen whistleblowers across the country. We just had another whistleblower out of Seattle this last week um, who's a psychologist um, simply for saying, well, you know, I don't think that, you know, this patient actually has gender dysphoria. They suffered severe trauma as a child, and that mm-hmm. seems to be what's going on. And they were they were basically fired for for even speaking out on it. Now that's crazy. So so some of the things. Uh, one of the things that I saw was Awake Illinois, which uh, there there are bills being filed all over the country, and here in Louisiana we've had some uh, where parental notification because well, for instance, like uh, Pritzker in Illinois. He repealed that amendment, uh, the Parental Notification Act, uh, which which really set off a whole chain of events that parents were no longer notified about anything. I mean, about the most uh, life-changing uh, procedures. And Planned Parenthood was right in there with them. Yeah, and if you remember, um, I think the last time I, I spoke to you, we were pushing, I was working on the bill with, um, with Dodie Horton there in Louisiana yeah. last year. Yeah. Um, which we passed. It passed the passed the uh, state legislator, but the governor vetoed it, and they never overrode the veto. So, I'm hoping they bring it back up this year, and maybe I can make make it out there to Louisiana and get this one passed this time through. Um, but we did pass um, the bans to on uh, you know to, to uh, banning surgery for minors and stuff like that. We have another bill here in Georgia that is very similar to the one we we got through the legislature last year, which it just requires schools to notify parents. And actually, it requires an opt-in system um, for parents to opt into, you know, being taught about sex and gender in school. Oh, okay. All now, right. the Awake Illinois um, bill, that you, the, the bill in Illinois that you're talking about, because Illinois is one of these awful states. And <laughs> I'm actually going on with Shannon um, in about an hour on uh, YouTube X and all the other platforms, we're going to talk about the bill. But it, um, 
it it basically changes the current guidance on child abuse and it says if you don't if you don't give your children gender affirming care then that's considered child abuse it also adds in if you if you don't take your child to get an abortion then that's child abuse too yes i saw, is that the bill by uh representative murray anastava mary whatever she's pretty radical I yeah i don't know who who the authors of the bill are i um but they did yeah it seems it's a very radical bill we just saw another sanctuary state bill come up in in uh, New York this last week. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, like you talk, you're talking about Governor Pritzker in, in Illinois. The whole thing about him is if you follow the money with him, he his family, uh, oh, the yeah. Hyatt family, right? They um, yep, they're very they wealthy. Fund and start the. Um, the the gender clinic at the Lowry's Children's Hospital, oh, um, and then that that children's hospital then now provides you know sex toys and stuff like that to the schools. Oh my god! That he is is designating for their sexual education programs. So <laughs> there's this whole like circle of money and wealth that's being being that's happening in Illinois, and nobody's really paying attention to it. Oh, it's and then horrible. just not to mention that Jennifer Pritzker is also transgender mm-hmm. um but what's really interesting is she was always more of a republican so i don't i don't know where all that comes in it is crazy yeah it's the it's the house bill 4876 i think i want to get into the details of that with you but we have to take a break real quick sarah okay. and we'll be right back with sarah higdon of gays against groomers don't go away People are not a monolith. I am here to tell you that not all of us are on board with this new modern rainbow movement we are seeing now. In fact, it is the majority of us who are not. That is why I started this organization. I can no longer sit by and watch this toxic ideology be foisted upon children in our name. Yep. I think uh, that pretty succinctly says it. But you know, Sarah, uh, I I check out when I look at something, I'll go to Wikipedia because I know they lie about a lot. And and when I look up gays against groomers on Wikipedia, oh my gosh, you people are anti-gay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, you're just We're some an crazy. Hate yeah. group. <laughs> oh yeah, you're like those fra- crazy, uh, crazy libs of TikTok, and you know, uh, and Moms for Liberty. Oh my gosh, you're involved with no- Moms for. I'm yeah. telling you, it is hilarious to read this stuff, Sarah. Well. It's the Southern Poverty Law Center, the uh, one that's making all this stuff up. Don't get me started on them. <laughs> you talk about haters. They're the original haters. Why anybody would exactly. use their opinion of anything, I don't know. But in the, yeah. this, uh, let's talk about this House bill that you're fighting right now, because you're, you're going to be doing a call right after this uh, with yep. the, the folks in Illinois to, to, to push against this. Because what, what is amazing to me is the definition of an abused child the definition of an abuse child is one whose parents maybe don't think that they should be getting unnecessary medical uh, surgeries and all that. You know, what are they yep. saying? So, I mean, the bill is, its like I said, it, it changes what it is now. And it says, yeah, it, it basically all the bill says is if you deny gender affirming care to a minor, 
then that is would be considered child abuse. Um, what's really interesting about this is when you actually look at what's already established in this current um, regulation, this current law, is it actually says, you know, it, it, in another part, it says that female genital mutilation is considered child abuse. So if they're not doing it for gender-affirming care, it's it's fine, or if it, 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 it's against the law, but the, if it's under gender-affirming care, it's all good. I, I don't, I don't, I don't get that. And they give they give parental authority to uh, even quote any individual residing in the same home as the child or a paramour of the child's parent. They define them as, you know, as being subject to this bill. Yeah. So being so, if if, if anybody in that home that's an adult um, denies them care, even though they're not the parent, even though that, yeah. They would be subject to that law. Um, it's 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 really insane because we're seeing these types of things pop up all over the country. The New York bill, like I, I mentioned earlier, the New, New York bill says any homeless youth in, in New York can consent to these procedures. So basically, what they're doing is encouraging children to leave the home um, to, in order to get these ca- this care. Now, we defeated a similar bill in Maine um, last month. We didn't make it out of committee, but. Um, which it, it's absolutely nuts because all this does is it gives children all the power, right? If you don't, so now they can just say, "Hey, if you if you don't do this, I'm going to report you to the state." Well, if you, you know, don't bend to my will. I'm going to report you to the state. It reminds me of way back when uh, when they were telling kids, if your parents discipline you, like giving you a whack on the bottom, you call nine one one and and report child, parental abuse. A report yep. child abuse. It reminds me of that. And the, these kids are, they, they're smart. They know how to yep. use this stuff. Uh, I was surprised that in Maine, you got that a, a 12 nothing vote. It was killed in committee. Yep. That's amazing. Yep. Yeah, Courage is a Habit did a great job at just rallying the troops and getting everybody on that one. Um, and um, now we're now we're focusing on the uh, this this one in Illinois, which hopefully we can stall it and stop it too. Because yeah, these bills they're they're crazy. Um, but I will I will give you a little bit of a white pill on all of this whole situation though. Is I do still believe that we are actually winning. I mean, obviously, the, killing some of these bills has been good. Getting some of these other bills passed, all the bills we got passed last year is good. But I've always said that we need to de-incentivize the monetary, monetization of yeah, this. Yeah, yeah. De-incentivize it. And so the lawsuits like Chloe Coles and other detransitioners and other lawsuits have actually started to make it so that even if it's legal in a state, medical malpractice insurance companies are are now denying coverage if you provide gender-affirming care for minors. Really? So, yeah. Really? Because, so oh so the, ma- the malpractice insurance places are going, hey, wait a second. I We don't want to have a- anything to do with this. This is going to hurt our bottom line because there's going to be a lot more of these lawsuits coming out. So if you if you provide it, we're not going to cover we, we won't cover you. You you can't provide that. We won't cover it. And so that's going to then demonetize it. It's going to it's going to be like now doctors are going to have to be like, oh, shoot, how am I going to continue this practice? All right. Um, there's so a that, lot of that, money that, being that's, that's made. A huge deal. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of money being made in this in this field. Yeah. Uh, which amazes me. You're right. If the insurance companies would stop covering it. um how do you determine what's medically necessary, though, in terms of transitioning? How do you determine that? I mean, it has to be a lot of psychological counseling, it seems to me. Yeah. Before well, that yeah, even that's happens. What, that's what it would be. 
But that's what the whistleblower out of Seattle said wasn't really happening. What she wasn't seeing happening, it was being pushed. But what I will say is activists have always used this notion that it was either um, it was like a death sentence if you don't provide this care. Uh. However, a new study came out last week. I just wrote about it actually yesterday in the Postmillennial because GLAAD attacked the journalists who reported it. But this new study showed that there was no correlation when you, when you account for other uh, mental health issues. There's no correlation between a gender dysphoric kid and any other, any other child. There's no suicide, like increase in suicidality uh, when all those other mental health issues are accounted for. So that kind of ruins the narrative. And even Marcy Bowers, who's the president of the World Professional Association of Transgender Health, she even said, well, suicidality has always been a poor way to judge treatment. And mm. so she's the head of the organization that makes all the recommendations. I'm always up in the air about her because she just seems to go back and forth on some of these things. <laughs> she's it's a, it's, she's it's conflicted herself. She's saying, hey, this isn't this isn't <laughs> the way because it ruins the entire narrative that you um, that the that the activists push yeah. when it comes to trans kids. Can you explain why they keep because the, it, and this relates to the library issues. We've had big issues all over the country with the kind of. Uh, uh, gender ideology, uh, uh, porno. It's really their porno, their pornography in the kids section. Yep. And when you say, let's move it to where the parents can decide whether they want their kids to see this stuff, people, they go crazy and say it's censorship and all that. Uh, can, can you explain, you know, why you want to keep a book like Gender Queer or, or something that, that talks about queer theory in the kids section of the library? Why, why would that even be necessary? You know, um, well, it's not, obviously. <laughs> um, and I know you guys had that big case um, yeah. what, last year, two years ago, down in Louisiana. Yeah, well, there's um, one. She's still holding me. on. She's getting big money from the American Library Association to, pers- yeah. you know, to appeal, 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 you know. Yeah. You know, anyway. And so, and so, yeah. So, so with, with that, it's like you, you have to wonder, I think, I think part of it is this narrative they want it's more about the politics of condemning people on the right that are bringing these issues up i think for the most people it's just saying oh you want to ban books because nobody's banning books you just want to move the books you can still go to the store and buy these books nobody's banning books um when um <laughs> that's what we when say <laughs> liberty was on joy reed and talked to joy reed you could tell that when joy reed had no idea what was actually in these books she's just pushing the narrative of the left Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that's where the most people are at. But then at the end of the day, I mean, to want to show kids sexualized material, um, also, and then and then coupled with the fact that you think that they consent to these, you know, life-altering medical decisions, the sterilization, and all that stuff, you do really start to look at where that goes. And down the line, it looks like it's, you know, introducing this young mm-hmm. um, has something you could. They, what, if you th- if you think that a child can consent to life altering medical procedures, what can't they consent to? Yes, exactly. Kind of what I'm getting at. Exactly. <laughs> and you you said yourself you you had a long journey to d- to to this point where you realized that you had an issue with gender dysphoria and you decided yep. to transition. But it was it was a long time coming for you. And I think you know for a lot of kids, some kids go through you know kids go through a 
a phase, you know, if it's yeah. it's really cool. I remember a young woman writing a letter to Ann Landers and she said, it's really cool now for all my girlfriends to, to say they're lesbian. But she said, I know they're not. She said, but I am. So I'm not saying anything because I know when they get over the fad, I'm still going to be a lesbian and I don't want to deal with them. You know, it was yeah. really kind of an interesting point of view that I had not considered. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you, I was, I've, I've, I've actually said this before too. I said, I, I actually feel happy that, the, I mean, the first person I ever came out to was in 2014. Um, and I was probably 25, 26 years old. That was first, first I, and it's something I felt my entire life. Yeah. But because I came out to somebody in 2014 and the, really the fad didn't hit until 20, you know, 16 to 2018, that's kind of like, okay, Anything after that, it's like, what do you do? How do? I mean, if you're a reasonable trans person, how do you come out and not want to be associated with that? Correct. That would be something that's really... Well, not know, want to be associated with... Difficult. Yeah, this militant movement that is so out of control. Uh, and there's... I had... Uh, I played some of the interview that Peter Schweitzer did with uh, Mark Levin. And he was talking about how it's a part of destabilizing these kids and undercutting their uh, their uh, their... Well, their own identity. Uh, it's really yeah. destabilizing them, demoralizing them, et cetera, and doing it to the whole to the whole community, to the whole country. You have some very yeah. basic things that you oppose, uh, and I like those because they're very succinct and they tell people who you are. It, Gays against groomers, and I love that page. Uh, you know, we oppose the sterilization and mutilization mutilation of minors. Uh, we oppose drag and pride events involving children. Yeah, who cares about drug and pride events otherwise? You know, do do your thing. Be yeah. happy. But leave the kids alone. Uh, the yeah. other thing about propagandizing youth um, and queer theory and gender ideology being taught in the classroom, you related some of that to a Marxist ideology. Yeah. Yeah, because uh, so queer theory is it's a critical theory just like anything else. And all critical theories, critical race theory, queer theory, all of them are based in, are rooted in postmodern neo-Marxism, right? And so when you start to see like queer theory in action, and like it's exactly what you were just saying, trying to destabilize the nuclear family as well, meaning that the, the children become wards of the state and they grow up in this mm-hmm. institution where they're now t- taken care of by the state, then they're auto- it, it's easier to brainwash them into, you know, a communist, um, socialist um, yes. society. Yes, ideology, Because yes. they had no family that they cling to. So right. it's kind of like in, in uh, you know, in, so- in the early Soviet Union under, under Lenin, it was, it was, they would, you know, kids would turn on their families if they weren't, if, if they weren't doing it, it's, it's very Orwellian yeah, and Orwell based 1984 off of the Leninist early, early Soviet. Uh, flat Soviet out, take movement. the kids out of the home and make the government their family. You know, uh, Sarah, I tell you, you're a hero to a lot of people. Uh, where can people get more information about your work and what you're doing? Are you going state by state to uh, to do so- this work? I'm. I mean, I'm not. I'm going where people where people ask me. So, okay. Yeah. Well, we might ask I'm, you <laughs> when yeah, you know so when the regular uh, session comes up and you and Dodie get together again. We we want to have yeah. a function over here in Lafayette so people can get meet you and get to know the work of Gays Against Groomers. So where can they get more information online and support your work? So so yeah. Um, well, I'll, I'll throw out. I think it's just GaysAgainstGroomers dot com is what that that is. But for me, um, you can go to uh, SarahHigdon.com. 
Um, and then it's Sarah Higdon on YouTube. Uh, my YouTube channel's kind of blown up a little bit lately, so that's 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 positive. And then uh, yeah, go over on uh, Sarah Higdon with an underscore on Instagram and Twitter or X, I guess. Um, that's where you can kind of find out for me. And yeah, I, I look forward to it. Like I've been talking to uh, to my friend Jamie out there, and, and oh we'll yeah, see, Jamie uh, Pope. See what we can do to get out there, Jamie Pope. Yeah, Jamie Pope. So we'll Jamie is another warrior. She's a warrior for good. I'll tell you the truth. She works with uh, Citizens for New Louisiana. We love Jamie. Yeah. And uh, yep. we we really appreciate you, Sarah, spending some time with us today. I know you're busy. You have another phone call to get to. We really appreciate yeah. you. Thanks. Why? Thank Take you. care, my friend. All right, we'll be in touch. All right. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. All right, we've got to take a break for the news. A little bit late for that, but that's okay. We'll be right back. That uh, interview with Sarah gave you an idea of what they're trying to achieve. Um, they've got um, they've got a radar site monitoring the war on children. It's a it's a news uh, and opinion watch list kind of. It's uh, really interesting to see what's going on all over the country uh, in this war against war. It's a war on kids. There's no doubt about it. It's a war on kids. They also have a podcast called The Dark Side of the Rainbow. Uh, and it's the grooming agenda, and they they identify it very clearly. Uh, this this militant trans movement. Uh, I recall reading something by um, uh, a gay person saying, "You know, we fought. We had to be in the closet for so long. We fought for so long quietly, and to to get some rights. You know, as gays. And now this transgender thing is just going nuts, and it's blowing back on gays because they're all getting." Uh, they're all getting labeled as uh, militants and trying to groom the kids, whatever. Uh, it's really frightening. And, of course, a lot of parents, a lot of us didn't realize how bad it was in the schools until the pandemic. And the parents got to see what some of these crazy teachers were putting in these kids' heads. So, you know, it's, um, it's, uh, but they're, they're working out. And it's really the part that I like about this, Jamie and Michelle, who spoke uh, to Moms for Liberty. Now, you understand, the left hates Moms for Liberty as much as they hate Libs for TikTok and Gays Against Groomers. Libs of TikTok and Gays Against Groomers. They hate Moms for Liberty. They think it's a far-right crazy group. It's just a bunch of moms protecting their kids, right? And so when Jamie and Michelle went and made this speech, and they're forming this coalition for people, they're protecting kids. That's their sole agenda, to protect their kids. And she said it's driving the gate as some of the militant trans uh, community just driving them up the wall and the militant gay community. Um, she put it very well in this speech to Moms for Liberty. In just a little over a year, we have 17 chapters across the United States. We do states, not counties. So <laughs> unlike Moms for Liberty, which is great. Um, we have 17 chapters across the United States, over 100 members and more than 700,000 followers on social media. We've also been banned from 11 platforms Can you imagine? in that short time, most notably being PayPal and Venmo, which was crazy. They're clearly terrified of us speaking out from inside the community, and to be completely honest, they should be. They don't know how to handle us because they can't dismiss us as homophobic, transphobic bigots like they do all of you. Yeah, that was so true. 
I mean, here she is, a gay woman. It's really going to be hard for them to dismiss her or Sarah or anybody else who's involved in this movement to protect the kids. That's all their, that, that, that is all their agenda is. I read those things to you. They're against sterilization and mutilation of minors, drag and pride events involving children. Don't care about drag and pride events. Have your events. Don't get the kids involved. It's very confusing to them. And it's not nice propagandizing youth with LGBTQ plus media, queer theory and gender ideology being taught in the classroom. You know, I think we all have to really make the distinction that there are some folks fighting on the right side on this issue. And we're glad that we had a chance to talk once again to Sarah. She she really is fighting the good fight. And look, in my book, she's a hero. She she spent 17 years in the Army. She was given the Bronze Star. I mean, she fought in Afghanistan. Look, we got to honor that, right? All right, my friends, it is Tuesday, and that means we're telling you about Acadiana Garage Doors. Oh, you bet. Quality and craftsmanship, you just can't do any better. If you go to their website, AcadianaGarageDoors.com, I promise you, you are going to see the exact garage door that is going to fit with your home style whether it's modern or traditional whatever and if you don't have a garage door now imagine the value that it will add to your home putting a garage door on your home i mean really as as ty likes to say and a lot of folks like to say it's the new front door of the american home so you want it to be beautiful you want it to fit in with your decor and they do that i mean in fact they'll work with you to, to from the design phase they'll help you design your door from very start to finish residential commercial service and repair just can't do any better the most professional caring staff you will ever find because quality and excellence that's what they do that is what they do that is their business hallmark so overhead garage doors roll up garage doors the best over 35 years experience and a 100% money back guarantee. Where do you find that these days? Well, you do at Acadiana Garage Doors. Check it out. AcadianaGarageDoors.com. So we were, we were giving you that update on Fannie Willis. What a mess, huh? She is a mess. But what was disturbing to me is that the judge didn't recuse himself given his long-standing relationship with her. What have we seen all along the line in every single Trump trial? What have we seen? We have seen biased actors right up and down the line who are willing to ignore the law, willing to ignore the law. It's very, it's very upsetting. But we see people who are willing to skirt the rules and the uh, spirit of the law, if not the letter of the law, even on the local level. I went to a meeting last night, and I'm going to tell you all about it when we come back from this break. Don't go away.
to a meeting at the Rosa Parks Center. It's a, it's a meeting they have to have, uh, I'm pretty sure they have to have it every year, regarding these, I call them STDs, Special Taxing Districts. They call them EDDs, Economic Development Districts. So they had another meeting. You know, these were put in place in, um, I think it was in 2019 or 2020, right? And um, they're supposed to foster economic development in certain areas, underserved areas, or disinvested, as they call it, disinvested areas, etc. So the city council was supposed to be the board of directors, and they function sort of like a board of directors, right? So they had a meeting last night. Four members of the council were there. Liz Abier wasn't there last year. She wasn't there last night. But uh, new council member Tommy Hooks, D- Thomas Hooks was, and I was impressed. I'll tell you what, he asked a lot of questions, and I think that's a harbinger of good things. I think I'm going to like this man because, he, <laughs> you know, he asked those pesky questions. That's what I like. And he did ask a lot of questions last night, and he clarified a few things. Very, you know, really, um, yes, pretty sharp, pretty sharp. So I'm going to have him on, and we'll talk about these things because he was at the meeting through through the whole time. Now I did have to leave; I had to get home and feed my dog. <laughs> I mean, come on, you know. But I stayed most of the time. Uh, I think uh, the only thing I missed was something that had been on the discussion before, which was about the Northway Economic Development District, which they want to expand because they think they need to bring in more businesses to produce more revenue to do what? Well, we don't know. That's the problem. We don't know what the revenue is going to do. Um, So here's how they started. Just in case you're new to this whole concept, uh, Charles Landry, who is known as a, um, uh, oh, well, he's a, we call him a carpetbagger. (laughs) He comes in. He's he's an attorney. He's originally from Lafayette. His mom and dad, Bootsy and Galeen, love those guys. Uh, Denise and Mary, his sisters, still live here. Uh, Charles um, is out of Baton Rouge, and he goes around, and he uh, shows people how to uh, get these special taxing districts without a vote of the people. Clever, huh? Well, that's what they did in this case. Now, uh, most of the districts, wasn't that difficult to carve out electors, see, to carve out no, having no voters, because like the University Gateway, that, that's been kind of in the works for a long time, and that has money coming in from all over. So it just made sense that it would be one of these EDDs. But um, if you remember Joel Robodeau as mayor president, he was pushing that really hard, the University Gateway project, and they turned it the whole thing into an EDD. So uh, the Northway EDD, uh, the Holy Rosary EDD, those those three and the Trappe EDD, well, there are, there are virtually no electors in those districts. So you didn't have any problem not having an election in those districts. The one that we all had a problem with, I have a problem with all of these, frankly. They they got put in place, a tax that put in place without a vote of the people. Uh, I don't think that's a good idea. So the downtown looks like a piece of Swiss cheese because they carved out any buildings where there are electors. So last night it was made a comment, well, everybody in the downtown district pays for it. No, not everybody does. Because let's say you're a restaurant and you had people living above that restaurant. They were electors. Well, we had to carve them out because we didn't want anybody voting on this stuff. God forbid somebody should have a vote. Mm -mm. You must be wanting a democracy somewhere around here. All right. So they had a meeting. It was their second meeting or third meeting to update uh, on these 
these things, these economic development districts. Now, I looked at the budget, and uh, right now, the administration fee for for the two that are really producing any revenue, uh, the Holy Rosary is the one that's not really producing much revenue, so they have a flat fee, a flat management fee of $500. But in the downtown economic development district and the Northway economic development district, the administrator is the LPTFA, as it is on the Holy Rosary. So the LPTFA is the administrator of downtown economic development district and the Northway. And that administrator is making $12,500 to administer the district and uh, $17,500 to administer the downtown, Northway and downtown. So between the two, just those two, they're getting $30,000 to administer. So you wonder what they do for that because they have it broken out separately. Advertising, advertising, they get mm, auditing. Oh, they hire auditors. They they budget about 6000 each for auditors. Now, as I told you, Mr. Landry came in and said he was pro bono. And when I asked the question at the very first organizational meeting, you mean you did all this work for nothing? Uh, it's pro bono. Oh, he hasn't been paid. It's pro bono, but apparently he is being paid. And I asked that question last night. And the, the line item under legal, $6,500 for each one, for e- the, the downtown and the Northway, 6500 So that's $13,000 for legal fees that he's getting. And I gather that's annually because this is their annual budget document. And then you have, uh, you have uh, other things like bank charges. It's all broken out. So when I said, is, is, is Mr. Landry? I mean, he's, he's still the legal advisor on this? Yes. Oh, okay. Well, I thought he was supposed to be pro bono. See what I'm saying? Yeah. So these special taxing districts that went in without a vote of the people. And they say, oh, you know, well, we're going to do some good things with this. It's a, one of them have a 1% sales tax and 2% on hotel motel tax. In each of those districts. So um, even Holy Rosary, which has really nothing in that district, they ended up with a balance of about $91,000 in the bank. The other ones, let's see, uh, looks like uh, da, 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 about uh, $1.9 million for the downtown and $1.4 million for the Northway. And they're still arguing over what are they going to do with this money? Uh, downtown, they have a lot of projects lined up. Because that's the nature of the organization downtown. They they have projects out the wazoo, highly technical term there, and they're ready to go with these projects. And they go and get they go and get um, you know some state money, some federal money, whatever. And they have some projects. They look like I mean they're okay projects, etc. What they do with the money now in downtown? I mean. It's it's kind of a they've erased the the line between the LPTFA Lafayette Public Trust Finance Authority take out the T it's Lafayette Public Finance Authority and Downtown Development Authority because now the guy who was the head of the LPTFA is now the head of the Downtown Development Authority and so is he also going to get the administrative fee for managing the districts oh you see where I'm going here and then we had some folks from Pride Opportunity Development who said they've been they want the Northway EDD expanded and they want it turned over to them. To manage, so you see, Acadiana Planning Commission was managing two of the districts, the Trapez and the University, 
By the way, that university corridor is getting money from all over the place and has been for a while. And then, um, so they're managing that and the Trap A. LBTFA is managing the other three, Holy Rosary, Northway, and Downtown. And now the Pride Opportunity Developers want the management of that uh, Northway turned over to them. I don't see how that's going to happen. I don't see how it can. It was a discussion item last year. It's a discussion item this year. Nothing has happened on it. They're frustrated. I get that. But, I mean, this is the, the, there are certain legal things you got to follow. And they were these these management contracts were set up, and the economic development districts were set up legally. So you can't. It's not easy to change them. My whole problem with the whole thing is that it was put in without a vote of the people. And Josh Guillory tried to get a discussion with the city council to go back and look at it. He couldn't even get a second for the ordinances that he put in to repeal these things at the request of a lot of people. Couldn't even get a second. So it was never, ever heard by the city council. So I'm hoping that Mr. Hooks keeps his thinking cap on and asks a lot more questions than were asked last night. But he did a great job as a freshman legislator. Thank you, Tommy Hooks. Hey, I made it through most of the meeting, but I had to get home and feed my doggy. Okay, I got to get out of here. Have a great evening.